blister did, on Did you just wave at me on an audio medium, Connor? I'm showing what? you the blister that I, uh, my hand is healing. Connor, you already showed me your gardening blister. I did? Yeah, on Instagram. Oh, <laughs> I sent you a picture? <laughs> uh, not directly to me, but I'm Instagram stalking you, like a good friend. Did I post it online? Yeah, you did. <laughs> I did? Uh, I saw it somehow, so... You must have sent it to me. You must have sent it to me. Okay. Alright, I was like, wow. <laughs> Maybe I'm just gaslighting you, but I definitely saw that blister somehow. Yeah, uh, for everyone else that wants to get gaslit for two hours, welcome to Dadlit. I am your gaslighting host, Chris Ludwig, and this is your gaslit host, Connor Boyle. Hey, everybody. I uh, I did some gardening, and I couldn't find my gloves, and I tore up my hands pretty good, or my hand, and uh, it's kind of painful. We do the clap thing to start the, the recording, so when I clapped, it very much hurt. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. You could have like golf clapped. I guess not, because then it wouldn't be on the sound file. Yeah, that defeats the purpose. I guess you could just like yell. Ah! Maybe. <laughs> yeah. We'll have um, to do that I'll, next time. Which is funny. Which is funny because it'll be a clap sound and then a scream. <laughs> um, it'll be like someone got shot. I also have a gardening story, but not about me. I did some electrical work for a friend from the sword school, and when I came over to his house out in like the middle of nowhere Loxahatchee. He was doing a bunch of yard work and like ripping out a bunch of like weeds and vines, like really overgrown stuff. And he had like stained up his hands with sap. And I'm like, you should wear gloves. Like some of that stuff might be poisonous and there might be thorns and things. And he's like, yeah, I don't know where my gloves are. So very similar to your story. A week later, I go to sword class and he very jovially gives me a big smile and holds his hands up and goes, you were right. It was poison oak. And he's got scars all over his hands. And I'm like, why are you so happy about this? <laughs> that's, that's, that seems painful. We, I, I'm growing pumpkins in my front yard and the fruit has um, sprouted. So there's their actual pumpkins are growing. So that sounds like a, like a spy code phrase. The fruit has sprouted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, today's going to be a scattershot episode, which means we're going to talk about a million different things. We're not focusing on one book for this but episode. But I have a little bit of an ongoing topic, which is kind of why I wanted to do this. Um, I've been inadvertently consuming a lot of media involving wanted men. Now, not necessarily like wanted by the law, but maybe like wanted by the mob or whatever. And so a couple of things that have been like recent on my mind that I thought would be really good for discussion. Do you want me to kick it off? Yeah, go ahead. Because I think some of the books you've read, I have read. And I actually just realized that a book that I wanted to talk about, I, I don't know why it didn't click. It is 100% a wanted man book. So excellent. I'll, yeah. So what, why don't you t start off by telling so everyone all... about the books you've read? Well, this actually starts off with a movie, because uh, recently uh, one of our favorite directors died. Oh, William Friedkin. Yeah. And so uh, I shared Sorcerer with my girlfriend. Wonderful, very intense emotional film. And uh, it's about several wanted men. Everyone, All of the characters are wanted for one reason or another from their country of origin. And they all end up in like a Venezuela-type place down in like South America. 
uh, hiding out and trying to like make a living, whatever that looks like there. Um, it stars uh, Roy Scheider. Uh, Scheider, I, his name always escapes me. Uh, Roy Scheider uh, of Jaws fame, and he has been working for like his oil company and stuff, and uh, he keeps getting shaken down by the local law, where it's like, hey, you have an illegal ID, and he's like, oh, okay, and they arrest him, and then they're like, well. I guess we could give you back your ID if you uh, pay us this much money. And it's kind of understood that they're just going to keep doing that to him, that they can just keep arresting him and then giving him back his fake ID so he can work and make money, that they can keep arresting him and taking money from him. But uh, the movie is more or less about all of these uh, men being united by a, a goal that could possibly make them enough money to escape this place. They're kind of like stuck there because they go there to hide out, but then don't have enough money to leave. And so there's a explosion at a at the refinery, and or at one of the wells. There's an explosion at one of the wells, and it catches fire. And to put out this f- like fireball that's constantly burning and burning up their uh, profit, they need dynamite. And the dynamite that's been stored has been stored improperly and has seeped all of the nitroglycerin out of its sticks into the, like the bottom of the boxes. And so it's it incredibly dangerous to transport and the whole book like brunt of the movie is these men step forward to drive the trucks to transport this extremely temperamental dynamite really good movie i highly recommend it but yeah very atmospheric and with a soundtrack by um tangerine dream yeah it's which is really not discordant but like a very interesting sound for that movie i'm gonna see the tangerine dream live in a few weeks actually i'm jealous yeah. How long have they been performing? Uh, I mean, they've they've been around. Uh, I don't know when they first started, but they've been together since the 1970s at least. Because they've yeah. they've done a lot of film soundtracks. They have a very like ethereal, atmospheric sound. Like Vangelis is you know is a good yeah. uh, good that uh, like ethereal analog. synth sound. Yeah, yeah. I just before you continue, I just wanted to say your description of like the working conditions and their their oil drilling camp. It spoke to me personally the way you described it. You take a shitty job because you have to, and mm-hmm. it's just a way to make some money right now. But the shittiness of the job like entraps you and makes your life yep. worse. And, and then the system siphons the money away, making it required that you work the shitty job. And it's and it what becomes like the, a bad opportunity that you were just going to work your butt off with and make some money and get out of town. That becomes your life. And that's kind of what mm-hmm. happens in the movie is that yeah, every all the characters are not supposed to be there a long time, but it becomes their life and they just want to get out. Yeah. Great movie. Uh, I love it. I don't know how they made half of that movie. Like the, the practical effects in it are beyond belief. So anyways, uh, I've also recently procured and have been watching Poker Face, which is a TV show on Peacock that stars Natasha Leon and is a sort of like the modern take on a Columbo type mystery show where every episode is a different mystery, sometimes starring celebrities. And then it's a how catch em type. We've discussed that before on the podcast, the difference between a whodunit and a how catch em and the how catch em use the viewer sees the crime. And then the mystery is how is the hero going to catch them? I have to say I've only seen like the first three or four episodes, but it's already becoming one of my favorite shows. I already like Columbo and this is like a better 
dare I say, better version of Columbo, at least more entertaining version. It has the added drama that the main character is not a cop, but instead wanted by the mob. And so the ongoing thing is that she stumbles into mysteries along her travels of trying to stay one step ahead of like a casino owner's enforcer that's trying to hunt her down. So she's also kind of like hiding out and on the run, which is cool. And I didn't know that the show was going to have that element to it. But it's a it's a show that's produced at least and partially the brainchild of uh, Rain Johnson, who made you know, Knives Out and Brick. Uh, phenomenal. He's, he's so good at making mysteries. And I don't know how much of like an like hands-on approach he has to it, but like I know the episodes are directed by different people, but it still definitely has his like vibe to it and I love it. Yeah, that sounds cool. I'll have to give it a, a try. But okay, so you you were did did seeing those wanted man, wanted woman TV shows drive you to want to read some wanted man fiction? Yeah. And I was like, I, I hit you up and I was like, hey, do you know anything good that is about a wanted man? And I was like trying to see if there was like a book version of like The Fugitive. And there is. It's just a novelization of the movie, though. So I didn't really care about that. Yeah, there's there's a, now that, you know, there's a Chester Himes novel. I think it's called like Run Man Run. That kind of rings a bell now. But I think I recommended The Getaway by Jim Thompson. Yeah, I I started that, but I haven't really gotten into it too much. Which might not uh, what be I a, did... a, a wanted man. It's a, definitely a, a a man on the run, a man and a, a couple yeah. on the run. But it's not necessarily a manhunt. But it's similar. That's okay. That's okay. That's the, I kind of wanted to just explore the vibe, and uh, so I read the outfit by uh, Richard Stark, one of the Parker books, Donald Westlake. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I had. Uh, have you read the graphic novels? I haven't read any of the graphic novels. They're I've, I've, really cool. I've they're, seen the, I've seen them, and I'm, the animation looks good, or the the illustration. Yeah, the art's done by the late Darwin Cook, and he has a really good way of catching like that, like '50s '60s style of art, harsh lines, kind of Art Deco, and each of the books covers a novel, and uh, one of them is the outfit, and I had read that, but. Each, what's cool about the comics is uh, the art style is cool. It's definitely like an abridged version of the books. Um, and each one of the graphic novels has one splash color. So they're mostly like black and white except for like a color that's used. And they're cool. I, I, maybe I'll send one to you. I have a couple. I'd love that. But I've never read any of the novels until now. And so I, I picked the outfit. I was going to do Man with the – was it? Um, Man with the Getaway Face. That's it. That's yeah, the first one I read because the title and like the cover I saw. crazy title, yeah. Yeah, the cover art I saw had a, a guy with a complete, completely bandaged up face like the Invisible mm-hmm. Man. And yep. it, that totally drew me in. Yeah. Well, at any rate, what I was met with it, like, exceeded my expectation. Uh, the Outfit's a really cool book. It does something in the middle of it that I wasn't expecting. It is like the book that takes place after he gets his so, – so for people that don't know – the Parker books are about like a guy that used to work for the outfit or the syndicate, which is like a crime syndicate um, that has operations all over the world. And he tries to get out of things and has like a plastic surgery to give him an entirely new face so he can get away. And this book starts off with someone discovering who he is and trying to kill him and failing. 
and it's kind of a cool opening scene because he's like with a lady and he's like started a whole new life and when he like springs out of bed and starts like battering this guy the lady freaks out a little bit but then he's like hey get over here and hold him i need your help torturing the information out of it and the girl's like oh okay never done this before and is like into it and like joins in and he like he even says he's like i'm gonna have to get rid of this girl maybe not maybe not kill her but i'm gonna have to get rid of her somehow so at any rate the the book becomes him trying to go on the offense which i think is kind of cool as an idea for someone who's being uh, chased is instead of being on the run all the time turning the tables and like making sure that no one can chase you again and so he calls up a bunch of his his old friends and he's like hey he uh, anything that you've ever had on the outfit anything that i've told you that some sort of vulnerability that uh, i told you not to act on act on it now like do any jobs you can against them and he sends off all these letters to all of his friends and as the, like the book goes on it stops being about Parker and it becomes like a anthology, uh, almost like a montage of all of these different jobs that get pulled off. And it will jump between different characters that are like onlookers or some of them are the people that are working for the outfit that are getting robbed or had. And some of them are his Parker's friends that are like making the moves. And it's really, really cool kind of scenes, really cool, which in their own right would make real great short stories. And it's kind of cool that they're all collected in this like overarching like umbrella narrative. And um, it all culminates in that he's like getting the outfit and making them like stretch their attention across all of these incidents so that their security is lax. And so they he can inf- like discover where the boss lives and infiltrate his house and kill the boss. Hmm. Um, and it's a real real cool like final arc of the story. Yeah, I, I um, Donald Westlake's you know his crime books typically have a heavy dose of humor in them, but his Parker books, I think the quote I read was something along the lines of like if I wake up and it's a rainy day and I don't feel too good, I become Richard Stark. And it's like his like darker alter ego. Alter ego. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. I they, didn't know that about him. They're not necessarily like they're dark compared to his other books and they're violent. They're, I would just describe them as like hard boiled, you know, that they're not like they're not sadistic. They are, but they're not but but they don't have the normal hard boiled protagonist. So like the hard boiled detective protagonist is generally somewhat valorous or at least somewhat like interested in truth. Parker is like the opposite of that he's interested in the game interested in lies interested in figuring things out and coming out ahead but not in like the interest of anyone else he's very self-centered it's great it's really cool and that's kind of why i wanted to read it and kind of why i wanted to bring it up it's like the the opposite of another character that we talked about and it actually gave me a really cool idea for a writing exercise Um, what is which character is he the opposite of jack reacher I mean, it's a good comparison because they're both they like both are, iconic They both male. are wanderers. Yeah. yeah, they're both wanderers. They're both cool and calculating and brutal when it when it needs to happen. They're, but they're opposites in that, like, Reacher isn't really on the run from anybody, and he used to be a cop. Parker is on the run from everyone, and he used to be a criminal. And oh. that's why I think it'd be really cool to pit them against one another. Yeah, that you know, actually... You you told me about this uh, a little uh, briefly, yeah. Now I did discover there's actually 
a collection of short stories. I think Lee Child might be the editor where they do kind of, I don't know if they do Parker and, and Reacher, but they do like um, the type of stories you're, you're describing with well-known, you know, dad lit and other like commercial um, characters from series Oh my um, god! You have to tell me what that book is called. Yeah, I, I'll I'll have to find it, and maybe yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll it. post it in the in Instagram for this as well. It's a fun thing to do to to bring that those sounds so cool universes yeah. together and like see how people might. I always tend to think people would get along with each other. You know, even like Jack Reacher and Parker. Like Parker is a criminal, and he'll screw people over, and he'll rob people, but they both share kind of a. Uh, a sense of independence and like a, a, de- a determination that I think that they might kind of, you know, it's a game, game meets game. I'm trying to think what other interesting characters, how about uh, Liam Devlin uh, versus the, you j- would. versus the Jackal from the day of the Jackal. Ooh. That'd be kind of cool. Okay. I'll write mine. You write yours. And then right. we'll trade. Sounds good. <laughs> I think the challenge um. is you got to come up with a very like, tight scenario because so because mm-hmm. with those two characters the liam devlin and the jackal they have so much like background and history so you'd have to be like it would just take place in a bar you know well, what that's I mean? why like, i was thinking a... for the for the reacher one i was thinking that it would take place in his military days while he's still with the special investigators and put the f- sound file here chris Do not. then you have like the case that they're like chasing down is parker and so Parker is sort of like brought into their investigation and it's like the special investigators uh, versus Parker. And so like you get Reacher versing him at some point, like you get a, a real nice scrape with but the two of them, you know, a punch up. And then one of them wins and gets resuscitated. And then like there's some sort of a conclusion to whatever is going on that might be a little bit of a twist i don't know i still i still gotta work on it but i was i was totally picturing this as one of his like old mp days that'd be cool i mean it's different time uh, clearly because the parker books i think i think they're set in the 60s and were at least least that's how i kind of imagined them when i was reading them i don't they definitely feel that way in the graphic novels but uh you could definitely put them in like modern times like yeah it would be no problem i don't feel like anything in the outfit would feel out of place now. Um, I would. Well, I, yeah, 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 for sure. There's other ones that would for sure. Like the, the score that's like about a armored car robbery. That's like that. I think that would feel a little out of date with some of the stuff discussed. So have you read, so you read the outfit. Did you read the score as well? No, I've done the graphic novel for the score. I've done the graphic novel for, I think it's the hunter, the outfit, the score and uh Slayground. Yeah. I, I haven't read Slaygrounds, but I've read, the Hunter, The Outfit, The Score, and Man with the Getaway Face. I think those are all the ones I, I've read. I have I have more of them on my bookshelf. I just haven't gotten to them yet. Yeah, one of them one of them opens up with that picture you're talking about with him with the Invisible yeah. Man look, and he yeah. walks into like a almost like I think a hotel lobby's bathroom, and like takes off the bandages and looks at his new face. It's interesting. And I feel I feel like someone walks in while he's like taking the bandages off, and he's just kind of like what. And they like rush out. <laughs> well, what what would be interesting about that too would be like, from a storytelling perspective, to me it would be interesting if the character is taking off the bandages. He wants to know what his new face looks like, and before he even gets to see it, he sees someone react to him, 
And, you know, he, the guy comes in just as he takes it off and he turns and looks at the guy and tries to gauge, you know, what his face looks like based upon that guy's reaction. Hey, buddy, how do I look? How do I look? Do I look, uh, do I look handsome? Do I look scary? <laughs> I, I, I imagined him to be, like, pretty sharp looking. I always yeah. thought he, you know, uh, what is the guy, the, the madman, John Hamm? Yes, that, I mean, he he's very much like that in the graphic novels. That would be a really good casting for him, actually. Now I want that. I hate you, Connor. I'll never have that, and I want it. Instead, <laughs> we get instead we get um, Jason Statham as him. Right. That's it's not that's not what I imagine. I haven't seen that movie, but I imagine it's not what those books feel like. I, I don't think I've seen it either. I, I feel like maybe I did start it, but it's just called Parker. Yeah. I just try and enjoy those things for for what they they are you know independent of the book because i like jason statham but to to faithfully adapt one of those books i think you're gonna need some you're gonna need a decent dramatic actor and a kind of a director with some experience with some you know crime drama not it's not an action series per se even though there's plenty of you know gunfights and stuff like that actually there's you know who i would have loved to have seen as parker because you're absolutely right it's not a straight up action movie like you wouldn't just put an action movie star in it um if if what if this movie or one of these movies was made a while ago i would have loved to have seen a younger um michael shannon play parker that would he be has good. great intensity we're casting off and we don't even know it <laughs> oh yeah, i know it's, it's fine i mean it was inevitable um he would what be do you, good yeah what, what did you bring to talk about i have a couple other things but okay. i don't want to hog the well, spotlight staying on the theme of um, Man on the Run. I read this book called Lowdown Road, and it's published by Hard Case Crime, who we've talked about before. They do the mm-hmm. they they republish stuff and they publish some new stuff. And um, the author is Scott Von Doviak, who uh, I've That's read a name. I've read his other. He had another book published with Hard Case Hard Case Crime, and his other book was called Charles Gate Confidential, which was an excellent crime novel set in boston and it, it jumps it, it's set in different periods in time and it surrounds the um charles gate hotel which was a dormitory at, at one point for boston i believe it was boston university maybe it was boston college i don't know but lowdown road is an homage to what the author calls hicksploitation like you're a hick a hillbilly hicksploitation but what that looks like is um uh Smokey and the Bandit, Gator, yeah, 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 know, yeah. and uh, every which way but loose. And the cover art for the book looks like a poster for one of those movies. Yeah, it's very, I think you shared that with me. It's very yeah. entertaining, and it is about these two uh, Texas shit kicker cousins, and they um, acquire uh, a whole bunch of marijuana that they're going to transport to. Um, to this uh, uh, evil Knievel uh, stunt event, the Snake Canyon jump, which was a real thing where he tried to launch himself in a rocket over this canyon, and it, it didn't work. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Simpsons parodies it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I think it's in, I want to say it's in Idaho or Iowa. I don't I don't know. But but so it's, it's a road, it's a road book. You know, it's a road uh, story, just like, Smokey and the Bandit, and yeah. except they're driving a taco truck, like a, a food truck, uh, filled with marijuana, 
and on their tail is the drug dealer they stole it from. He is this um, black martial artist, uh, charismatic character who's just... This sounds like... There's like a movie being made that sounds similar to this. Well, it's definitely fiction that's primary influence is film yeah you know and it it moves at that pace too it's so easy to read it's so easy to get through and the other person on their tail is this maniac texas sheriff who uh, loses his mind early on in the book and is trying to track them down and he's murdering anyone who gets in his way um it's a fun fun book i would definitely recommend it especially if you enjoy 70s films i'm a big fan now this this is the the movie i'm about to reference i actually think it came out in the 80s every which way but loose it's the one with the orangutan people refer to it as if it's the dumbest movie ever made and i'm not saying it's a smart movie or a complicated movie but it is entertaining and it has a an interesting macho ethos <laughs> that that's it's actually kind of self-reflective too but you know it wasn't lost on me that the only person who could stand to be around uh macho clint eastwood was actually an orangutan <laughs> you know he couldn't really he couldn't maintain relationships with human beings but uh, apparently uh clint eastwood was going to take that movie and his agent said like don't do that don't do that this is a burt reynolds type movie and you're you're a serious actor and Clint Eastwood insisted. But that's what makes it work is having like the straight man being in a situation like that. Yeah. And Clint Eastwood insisted and it. So it is a goofy, dumb movie. But you have an actor who just brings this this aura of uh, like wisdom and masculinity to it that the combined effect is something very appealing, I thought. And, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I have it on VHS, and it's got a good, like you know, country uh, country western soundtrack to it. And uh, this book just reminded me of it. There was no animal counterpart, unfortunately. There was an uh, there was an alligator introduced early on in the book, but the alligator alligator is not as big a, of a part of the book as I wanted it to be. Um, but yeah, it never is. Uh, they they never make great use of that. Um, but Low Down Road by Scott Von Doviak, I highly recommend it. More than that, though, I recommend his first book, Charles Gate Confidential. It is an excellent... Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have to look that one up. Excellent, excellent crime novel, especially if you enjoy Boston fiction. And it's a good pairing with uh, The Friends of Eddie Coyle. There's a, oh, there's yeah, a character... The first thing that we yeah. like reviewed. Yeah, which I... It's, that's such a great book. I thought about that too when I was thinking about like kind of this topic. So what else did you read? Did, and did you did you have you read any other man on the run type type fiction? I can't think of anything that I've read previous that really falls into this. I mean there's some there's some things, but I can't really think. Like one thing that came up is like The Spy Who Loved Me is interesting in that it's about James Bond being on the run from some goons and like a girl staying at a motel gets like swept up in all of it. It's a, it's one of the more interesting Bond books. I definitely want to talk about it more during the spy episode. That's one of the ones that came up because it's like a, a motel. It's on the road. It's about a person that's traveling and then gets swept up in a bunch of chaos. 
But I did find uh, a really interesting collection of thrillers called Thriller that has um, a couple of well-known names in it and a bunch of people I've never heard of. So I'm interested to read all of them. There's a bunch of short stories. Yeah, I've, I've, I've come across some... There's two of them. There's Thriller and then there's Thriller 2. Both of them are collections of shorts. I, I may have read one of those on my, my Kindle. Yeah, it's interesting when you when the thriller genre is so open you know yeah. I, I i i that's the thing like i can't i can't describe our podcast to people as like oh it's a podcast about thrillers because that's so vague yeah i mean it it incorporates a lot of different things you you could be talking about horror territory yeah you could talk about- which is a lot of times what i think about but i think the thing that draws people's attention to horror is literally the music video thriller that's true. You kind of. <laughs> I think that literally is what people. You say the word thriller and they think zombies and werewolves, and you're like, oh, okay, but that's not really what the thriller is. Well, that's kind yeah. of what like movie thrillers kind of lean towards sometimes, but like book thrillers are like rarely that. Well, I was watching um, an interview with uh, Stephen King recently, and, and well, it's an oh, it was an old video with that guy Charlie Charlie Rose, right? So it was an okay. old one, and Charlie Rose was asking him, like, how would you describe you know, yourself and the books you write? And you know, he Stephen King does say, you know, I write you know, primarily in the horror genre, but he he makes this sort of technical, you know, statement. He's like, well, technically they're they're probably more like thrillers. So you know, depending on how you use that word, uh, but even his books are really like they jump around in terms of what they cover. A lot of it is horror, like straight up, but like you got stuff like misery. That's a, that's there's a no there's no supernatural element to misery, and uh, you've got several others that are like very, like true crimey that he's written. Yeah, there, there's a new there's a new one that came out that I want to read of his. Holly, no. So, um, Billy Summers. That might be it. Hold Billy on, Summers is definitely a thriller. It. It's about a. Um, this uh, Afghanistan war veteran who becomes, he's a hitman, And it's this whole kind of, uh, it's, a, it's like a crime novel, like a crime thriller. Um, and actually mild, not really a spoiler, but it, it part of it takes place in Colorado. And when a very famous Stephen King, Colorado landmark shows up briefly in the story, but Bill, it might be Bill oh, Summers. Oh, the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he has. So it's funny you mentioned him. Uh, I knew we'd get to him eventually. <laughs> um, if not now, later. <laughs> he has a new book coming out uh, in in a week or so called Holly, which is based on this character Holly Gibney, uh, who he introduced as a secondary character in this book, Mister Mercedes. Mister Mercedes is part of something called the Bill Hodges trilogy, which I think are really, really good paranormal detective uh books and it's about this very sick um young guy who commits this horrible mass murder and the detective who investigates it doesn't find him and years later the detective is retiring and the guy reaches out to him as you know like as just after he's retired and says hey don't you wish you found me I just want you to know I still think about it all the time, and I'm so glad I did it, and I really enjoy the fact that I did it. So this guy, who's now a retired cop, basically works, you know, becomes a private investigator trying to track down this dude, 
and it's a three book series not all of them directly are about that particular plot line but mm-hmm. throughout it this character holly is introduced and she's she's this very meek and mild um I don't know if she's super young when they introduce her, but she's a very meek and mild woman who is just a, a natural detective. She she has very, you know, I think later on they might say she has um, Asperger's. So she struggles like socially, but she's very, very intelligent and just well suited for investigation work. And she becomes like a character throughout all the books. And actually she's, in, in a different book that does not have to do with the Bill Hodges trilogy, she enters because in this other book called The Outsider, which I've read also read recently, um, they hire a private investigator to help with. I think they made a show about that, didn't they? Yeah, and she's a character in it. She shows up in it. But interesting. I, I do enjoy the way that King is able to do like shared universe stuff. Yeah, the inner. We've we've used this word before. Intertextuality. The, yeah, uh, his intertextuality is great though because it isn't like you don't feel like you have to have read any of the other ones, yeah. and they they really do just like exist in the same spaces without like fully being sequels or in between sequels or prequels of each other. Yeah, this like they stand they stand on their own, even though they might bump into someone that you recognize from something else. The outs- like a uh, Mister yeah. Halloran. Mister Halloran shows up in it. Is He's one of briefly. Mister right? Halloran is one of the cooks at one of the places that gets attacked by um, Pennywise and like burns down. It's oh, like yeah. a famous story that gets told in that. Yeah, yeah. The. Um... Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of it ties back to his Dark Tower universe. That's kind of yeah, like I don't care the, about that. Yeah, no, it's cool. <laughs> it, I've, well, I've only read three of the books, but you know, I only have interest in the one that has the priest from Salem's Lot. Um, well, I think that the three books I read were really good. The second one was awesome. The third one was really good too. I started reading the fourth one, and it's not that it was bad. It's just I, I. I you know, I had to put it down. Um, I'll put- I think I think it honestly just the fact that there's so many in the series is like daunting for me to even want to start it. It's only like seven or eight, right? I think it's yeah. I don't feel like starting a seven book series right now. I don't I, know. I always I I've said it before. I'm not a big series person. I just get like drawn into like the the, yeah. the Liam Devlin books. You know, like I, I never expected to to read all of those. You know, I like it. I I'm not that interested in care like series storytelling. But if I really like a character, I'll keep reading. Yeah, you want to read more of him? Like, yeah, like, like Reacher. That's kind of the thing that happened with me with Clive Cussler. Like I watched Sahara, and I was like, "This is fun." And I tried one of the books, and I was like, "Okay, these characters are fun. I want to read more of this." And then I jumped around to his other book, and I was like, "Okay, these characters are fun. I want to read more of this." It's not that I looked at the series and went like, "Oh, I really want to read this series." So I think that's true of a lot of people. I think. Uh, like that's the same thing with Reacher. You know, I read Bad Luck and Trouble, and I really liked those characters. And it's a shame that really the special investigators don't pop up more. But mm-hmm. uh, Chris, insert the sound fit now. So the book I found the book I was talking about the Stephen King book. It's called Later. Oh it's yeah, one of the, yeah, yeah, it's one of the hard case crime books. I read I, I, I read that one. It was yeah. It's, it's like a, is it good? It, it's good. I I don't recall being like blown away by it it's a crime novel it's got some paranormal elements to it it does it's about like a kid who can see ghosts or something yeah and it's it's good it um of all the hard case crime books joyland i think is the best one that they published of stephen king's it's like 
I suggest, I thought it was like a very touching um, book, kind of like the story The Body, which is was made into the movie Stand yeah, yeah, By Me. Yeah. It just like has this you know a depth to it. But Joyland was good. Uh, later was entertaining and good. We talked about another book that Hardcase put out called The Colorado yeah, Kid. Colorado Kid, yeah. yeah. But um, I think you'll enjoy it, especially if you're reading the Parker books, because it kind of has that. I don't want to say too much, but it has that world of organized crime in it. Cool, cool. Yeah, I definitely want to check it out at some point. But um, back to what we were talking about with thrillers. The thriller collection that I got and I was uh, reading through has a story called James Penny's New Identity by Lee Child. I have to ask, is it a Reacher story? Well, let me just tell you what it's about. Oh, okay. So James Penny is a down-on-his-luck veteran, and the whole world kind of screws him over, and his job lays him off, and he feels betrayed by the system, by the military, by everyone. And so he um, gets the idea to burn his house down and go on the run and kind of disappear because he can't afford everything and he's in debt. So he burns his house down, and he drives off, and he goes to a motel, and he parks... Except he's not the brightest, and when he wakes up in the morning, the cops have, are all around his car, and they're, like, towing the car. He's like, oh, great, um, well, I need to get out of here quick. He overhears something somewhere about, uh, like, a missing persons thing for him. And so he tries to, like, get away in multiple different ways, and eventually he's going down the road... And he's hitchhiking, and a car pulls up, and uh, it's none other than Jack Nunn Reacher <laughs> as an MP. And he's like, hey, bud, where are you going? Uh, he's like, uh, he's like, out of town. And he's like, okay, yeah, get in. And he's like, there's a bunch of, like, roadblocks and stuff. Are those for you? He goes, maybe. He's like, oh, what'd you do? He's like, nothing. And he kind of explains his story to Reacher. And Reacher's like, well, you're not going about this smartly. He's like, uh, you got st- to get a new name. I'll tell you what. And he pulls over and he stops. Go into the trunk and reach in there and there's a coat. And inside the coat, there's a wallet. Go get, get that for me. And the guy goes and gets it and he brings it back. And he's like, there's your new identity. This is your new ID. This is, this is your new wallet. This is your, your money. Uh, that's your new name. And... Uh, He's like, also, put on these handcuffs. What? And he, Reacher pulls a gun on him. He's like, what? He's like, just put on the handcuffs. And uh, so he drives on, and they come up to a roadblock. Hey, how's it going? He's like, I'm Jack Reacher. I'm transporting a, a, a suspect. Oh, uh, does he have ID? He's like, yeah, I think it's on his inside pocket. And they go in, they reach in, they pull out that wallet, they, they read the name. Which I guess the ID looked like him. It's a weird scene that like you'd think you'd look at an ID and sure, look at the person yeah. and go, yeah. Uh, but anyway, he they look at the ID and they go, okay. And they see the guy in the handcuffs and they say, yeah, carry on. And so he gets past the roadblock. He lets the guy out. And the guy's like, was that all? I guess all this was necessary. He's like, yeah, it was. And he takes the handcuffs off and he's like, have a good day. Have a good life. And he lets the guy go. And then the book, the story ends with Jack Reacher going up to the, like a cliff and tossing a dead body out of the trunk. <laughs> oh, interesting. 
Yeah, uh, so the so. dead body was some wanted man that Reacher had found and killed, or procured the body of, a, and he gave this guy that guy's identity and then disposed of the body. Sort of a mutually beneficial situation. You know, yeah, I guess. You, yeah, you it's, it was interesting. That's kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. How long is the story? Like how and how many pages? Like is it very short? Could, okay. uh, it's yeah. I got, uh, I, I audio booked it. it, so I don't know how many pages there's. It's good. It's written well, obviously. Yeah. But I have one. Was, like it, I said, I have one of those thriller collections. I wonder if that one's in there. Just well, it's just like uh, the spy who loved me. It's really interesting to see a reacher story from someone else's point of view. Yeah. Dadlet will be right back after a word from our sponsor. Civilized people need to follow rules. And these are mine. I don't steal from people who can't afford it. And I don't hurt people that don't deserve it. So relax. I gotta say, Parker, you came as advertised, but I'm gonna need the whole score for this next thing. We made a deal. If you were me, what would you do with a guy like you? Kill him while I had the chance. Most importantly, if you say you'll do something and you don't, do it! I'll make sure you regret it. Don't start anything. He's got connections. Give me a name. Someone on the inside. Rogers. Daniel Parmack. San Antonio, Texas. Daniel Parmit, your real name? Why wouldn't it be? Because you're less than two months old. I don't know what you're into, but whatever it is, you're gonna need somebody who knows the territory. Take off your clothes. What? I have to know if you're wearing a wire. Don't ask me any questions because I'm only gonna tell you what I wanna tell you. People took something from me. I'm just gonna put things right. Who the hell are you? Parker. He's alive. Parker's dead. You shot him, right? They're here for a robbery, and they're gonna use that house to lay low when they're done. It's a tour of a lifetime. So let them steal something. You steal it from them, and I get a cut. When I say I'll do something, I always follow through. Always. sleep at night. I don't drink coffee after seven. And now, back to our show. I understand you, we have some games to play. Would you like to play a game? Yes, and then we're flipping the tables on this one. It's usually you asking me the question. And this time, Connor, I need to ask you. This or that. Okay, I'm excited. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. This is this or that wanted man edition. Would you rather be wanted in America by the mob or wanted in America by the government? This is this is under the impression that you have not left the country and you have to be in America. I think I'd rather be wanted by the mob. Okay. Because they would, I'm sure they have a lot of resources, but I could still exist on paper 
And also with the mob, I could probably f- at least try to fight back. And, you know, fair is fair. If I have to go and kill an entire mafia family, I'm going to, you know, and I do it, you know, maybe I'm free and clear at the end. But if I go and kill a bunch of FBI agents, I'm going to be on on the run for the rest of my life. So, yeah, that's yeah. suicide by cop. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Would you rather hide out in a bustling city or in a small town in the middle of nowhere? That's tough. That's tough. Um, ah, gosh. So the the bustling city seems good to me because you can disappear into it. Like you can, but um, and I've, there's also lots of CCTVs and there, paper trail stuff. But and, you could be someone could be following you and you wouldn't even know it. But in the small mm-hmm. town, you know, you could go you know, into the forest, you could hide out somewhere, but that that's difficult. I, I read a really good book called Testament where by David Morrell, where this family does that. And I, I think it takes place in, I don't know, maybe, maybe Colorado, but it's the description is miserable of these people trying to survive in the mountains. I, so I would say the city, you know, okay. you could, yeah, just, just because more places to hide and you can always just jump on a subway train. <laughs> Okay, this or that. Plastic surgery, a new identity, and stay, or move to a foreign country where nobody knows you? A foreign country where no one knows me. Okay. Next one. You're wanted by the mob and don't think you can or don't want to run. Do you try to take them down, or do you turn evidence to the law in return for witness protection? Um, well, I'm trying to imagine the scenario where the mafia wants to go after me. I'm assuming in this situation, I'm a somewhat, uh, maybe you're a witness to something. Okay. So I'm not like a, I don't, I'm not experienced with crime and weapons. So, you know, if I was to go off, go up against the mob myself, like, I don't know what the hell I would do. Like I'd buy a shotgun and just wait in this instance. I, there's an appeal to that too, you know, of like it's a romantic life and you don't want to just like run to the, you know, big daddy government for help. So if the mob wanted me, I know, I'd probably turn to the government, you know, just, you know, okay. why not? Uh, this all kind of is building a narrative too. Cause all of the things that you've picked have aligned with like one kind of thing. Okay. All right. Next is, is the last question. You're wanted by the law and can't or don't want to run. Do you turn to the mob for help uh, or do you burn down your house and fake your own death? <laughs> okay. I was going to think of when you started saying that I was thinking of option three, which is I go like Ruby Ridge sovereign citizen. And like, this is where I make my stand. <laughs> I, I considered that as I considered that as being the second option, but then I wanted to put in the option from the short story that I read. I, I become a 21st century American folk hero. I'm like the guy in Colorado who, who built the, the tank out of the, uh, the tractor trailer. The killdozer. The killdozer. Yeah. Dude, legend. So, okay. What were the options? I go to the mob, mob for help. You go over to the, yeah, go to the mob for help. Or do you burn down your house and fake your own death? I would burn down my house and fake my own death, but I wouldn't expect that to work very well. But but it would buy me yeah. a little bit of time, I guess. Sure. 
Okay. So interesting. You, okay. So what is that? You said there's like a thread that ran through all my answers. What was the, what is like the commonality? Well, your choices all align into like a narrative. You're wanted by the mob in America. You hide out in a bustling city. You have to eventually move to a country where nobody knows you. You turn evidence to the law for witness protection. For the local law enforcement there. In this case, it'd be yeah. like the Tunisian. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. But like, I, like all of those choices line up as something that could happen in the, that order. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, down to the end, and then you, the, the ending is not the right thing. But yeah, I probably. I mean, in this scenario, I, I'd be dead probably. I maybe I'd go to Ireland and just try and fit in go back to my you know that way i'm not sticking out so much you know not that i wouldn't stick out i'm an american thoroughly american but but you definitely stick out in like tunisia yeah yeah why is what is that guy doing here tell him to leave that's what i was thinking about if you hide out in a small town uh hiding out in a small town like yeah it's in the middle of nowhere and you can hide in the woods and stuff but if anyone comes asking they're like yeah that guy yeah him <laughs> listen that guy right there that showed up on tuesday there's only seven people that live here all right and, and up until yesterday there were six so i think yep. i know who you're, i think i know who you're talking about <laughs> well we also had so we had another this is more of a i guess it's kind of a game it's some fun thought experiment a thought experiment i challenged chris to create a fictional dad lit author and to write their well, basically their jacket bio so you got to come up with you know uh, you know someone who writes the type of books tom clancy writes maybe my i guess it depends on like the subgenre, but you know uh, an, uh, an author of commercial dad literature so mm-hmm, can mm-hmm. you tell me what you came up with yes you have one too right yes okay i'll go first wesley noth perfect or west noth Two names that are one letter short of being a direction. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, He's a well-groomed salt and he has well-groomed salt and pepper hair and stubble. Wears outdoorsy urban wear like flannels and Carhartt jackets. Uh, Maybe a lightweight brimmed hat in a few of his jacket pictures. His bio is he was a retired horse trainer married to an international law lawyer. Uh, gained literary fame with his first book called Drilling for Blood that was a fictional retelling of a case his wife was involved with concerning Somali pirates and mercs hired by oil executives. Now he spends his time traveling or in his North Carolina ranch writing thrillers that are half travelogues, less about history like Cussler and more about specific locations. That's not, that's That's... Yeah, <laughs> he's got the history nerd kind of the quality to him, um, and I can imagine. Well, I just I, I just imagine like I I kind of thought this up with Dana's help a little bit. Um, I was gonna make him the lawyer, and she's like, no, his his wife should be the lawyer. I'm like, ooh, we flipped the script. So instead of a lawyer married to a horse girl, it's a horse trainer married to a lawyer, and I imagine that while while she's off on cases, he's traveling with her and getting ideas for stories. Yeah, the horse training element is very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I'll do. I'll do mine. Mine. Uh, so his name is Don Gibson. Okay. And just to give you the the jacket photo, if you can imagine, a man with a cigar in in his mouth. He's kneeling down next to two golden retrievers. He is wearing a tight fitting tank top, 
and aviator sunglasses, and he also has a black beret with some sort of like African insignia, like, you know, printed on the front of it that he's wearing. So very interesting. He's got a sort of like mercenary look to him. Yeah. But he, but also I would note that he's probably like fairly out of shape. Like he, Mm -hmm. he does not have like a, a soldier's athletic, you know, musculature fit. He's, he's kind of odd looking Uh, and his name's okay. His name's Don Gibson. So here's the jacket bio I came up with. Don Gibson is the best-selling author of the Sarajevo Cantos book series. Patriot Front Magazine has called him, quote, the dean of the late 90s Baltic thriller. He's also published 70 standalone novels and a volume of Spanish-American war-themed poetry. He resides in Taos, New Mexico with his twin golden retrievers, Oswald and Booth. That's really good. That is really good. <laughs> uh, and he's just some schlubby, like, history nerd slash, like, he'd pr- if you met him, he'd probably try and give you the impression that he was in the military, but he absolutely wasn't. And he's yeah. more just sort of a military nerd, but yep. he kind of, he he's, you know, he probably is like, I can't talk about it. You know, I won't talk about it. And he's, you know, obsessed with a very, you know, specific piece of history. But, uh. He's a dude, Don Gibson. Yeah, we gotta get like we gotta get some artists to like draw up our stupid authors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He a, a wannabe, basically like wannabe mercenaries. You know, like this. The, like I love, I love this uh, this type of guy. <laughs> I actually hate I hate them, but they're, they're, yeah, you've had you've talked to them in bars before. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Well, so when yours was Wes Noth, yeah, Wesley Noth. What if? Which again, it's like Wes is one letter short of West, and Noth is one letter short of North. What if there's a story where they they meet? How about two fucking losers meet at like a? <laughs> hey, my guy's not a loser. How about two <laughs> my guy lo- trained horses? How about two losers go to a, a Lee Child's uh, signing, and they end up like talking to each other. And hanging out at a bar afterwards. I was considering putting my character just full on into my Reacher versus Parker novel. Yeah, that'd be a good team up is like a very schlubby, like stolen valor, fake military guy. And then a sort of eccentric, like horse trainer. Rugged outdoorsman. Yeah. Yeah. Like it'd be interesting. (laughs) He's he. But here's the thing. It's like it's that rugged outdoorsiness, but it's also the like. It's almost wannabe rugged. It's like he, you're you're high class, but you like to travel and you you pride yourself on being outdoorsy without being full on outdoorsy. You know, you're staying in hotels, but you're dressing like you went camping. Yeah, I mean that's very <laughs> that's very uh, Santa Fe. I would say. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it, well, yeah. the my guys, my guy lives in Taos. That's kind of a Taos could be a Taos thing as well. There's a lot of like wealthy folks in Taos. So I think it'd be cool if we did an episode at the beginning of December that's sort of like a um, dad lit recommendations for Christmas gifts, books for dad kind of a thing. And I think the way we should do this is each of us should go through the dad lit checklist. And pick for each checklist item a book that comes to mind that meets that criteria. So, like, 
if it's submarines, like what dadlet book comes to mind that features a submarine? And it can be very simple, just recommendations. It doesn't have to be like, I think this is the best submarine book there is. But um, so that doesn't have to be like the epitome of that checklist item. But I think it would be cool to have like a book. Both of us pick a book for each checklist item. That's uh, yeah, I love that. You know, that, that gave me an idea. We don't have to. It doesn't have to be anything expensive. But we should send each other a dadlet gift like a dad yes. like and we can open it on the show and yes and I, can, I agree that would be a real fun follow-up for like an actual yeah, christmas episode it could yeah. it can be a book and we can read that we can read that santa story <laughs> yeah i mean it could be it could be a book or it could be something just like dad you know dadlet he here yeah, like he, one of those hats or, or like here's like a piece yeah, of yeah. a submarine you know what you know <laughs> um, here's a piece of a submarine don't ask me how i got it piece of the titanic submersible <laughs> oh my god uh, don't ask me how i got it yeah um speaking of books what are you reading well i'm reading um alistair crowley's diary of a drug fiend oh very uh light lightweight reading yeah it, it's um i've got less than 100 pages left on it and it left in it i'm, I'm kind of ready to be done with it it takes place after right after world war one but it has sort of that early you know, 20th century uh, London adventure quality to it. You know, you got these this aristocrat who was a decorated uh, military veteran. He was actually a pilot and a very a very good pilot apparently in the military and part of this very aristocratic family. And he gets um, involved in using cocaine and then heroin and um, gets married <laughs> like, you know, on, on cocaine. And, you know, his his partner, Lou, she becomes like the other main character of the story. And of course, you know, their their habit progresses and um, they become extremely desperate. And a lot of the book is about the desperation of like of uh, drug addiction and heroin withdrawal. And there's this character, Hmm. King Lammas, who's clearly a stand in for Aleister Crowley himself. Like he even looks like Aleister Crowley, who has the secret for how to. Um, effectively use drugs to to uh, achieve occult ends to basically discover mm-hmm. hidden knowledge about yourself and the world so you know it's it's anti-drug it's not you know you see the people go through the their addictions and then you know as the reader you kind of want them to get better but then this character talks about how you know using hard drugs is not necessarily even a bad thing and you shouldn't really be even hard on yourself if you become addicted to them. You know, it's not it's not good from a practical standpoint, but you shouldn't deny yourself things either. Do what thou will will be the will of the yeah, law. Yeah, it, that goes along with a lot of the like um, yeah. satanic beliefs of like um, not denying yourself, being. Uh, giving into like don't. It's not being selfish. Although I had a, a friend who was a, a, a Satanist in New York that would do tarot readings for me on the regular. And, like, a lot of his, like, results of the readings were like, Chris, you need to be more selfish. Like, you're, you're like to really enjoy your life, you need to be more selfish. But yeah. um, but I, I get that kind of it. It's, it's allowing yourself to have those experiences, uh, even if your, your truth is is to become addicted to those experiences. And, and he gets into how um, a lot of the approaches to sobriety and, and, and the idea of sobriety itself is kind of a trap that, 
you know, there's certain parts of it I thought that, you know. What's really interesting working in a kava bar and and being around people in recovery all the time is uh, there's quite a few people that um, – so, you know, the idea of, like, replacing your addiction. So, like, yeah. the very obvious one is alcoholics replace alcohol with kava and they still go to a bar and habitually drink a thing even though the thing that they're drinking – doesn't affect them the same way which is the point it doesn't cause them to ruin their lives but they still drink it in the same habitual way they still over drink it they still overindulge and they still do it on a regular basis but what i found interesting is a lot of people that are in recovery replace their addiction with the coping mechanism for dealing with their addiction so i knew a person that became a journaler and they became addicted with going to like staples and buying journals and sticky notes and markers and things and like drawing out their schedule on a planner and doodling in it and having all sorts of organization and things like that. And it was a compulsion to them. And it was, they were like, they replaced their addictive behavior with being addicted to that kind of tidiness. One of the things in the book that kind of sort of speaks to what you just described there is that, there's a there's there's a point where they have to go cold turkey and they they get past it and they get past the extreme physical withdrawal symptoms and they're like oh my god we're cured but as soon as they get back to i think they go back to london they immediately go and seek seek out the drug and they relapse yeah they relapse yeah and this king lamas character you know he points out to them you know, how can you consider going cold turkey a success? You clearly still, you know, the drug still has a hold of you. You still want to do it. Um, so you didn't defeat anything here. You know, you you didn't defeat the addiction. You defeated the withdrawal symptoms. Right. And, and I think that's I think that's a pitfall that a lot of people fall into is they they get over that first hump of, OK, I'm going to have horrible withdrawals. And they think, OK, well, now I'm in control of it again and I can have one sip or I can have one cup because I'm in control again. And so, and, and, you know, the, the, as I'm approaching the end of the book, the, this character is trying to sort of coach them on how to use these drugs in a productive way, in a way that they don't feel guilty about indulging, but that they, they sort of, they have a paradigm shift as to how they view their own drug consumption. So they don't feel bad, but they still, I mean, ultimately, I, I mean, I'm kind of puritanical in this regard. It's like, I think her, you know, heroin is like the devil you know it's like this this stuff is you shouldn't play with it um no, i could ruin your life yeah but um so it, well getting to, to the actual book like the book the story itself it's if you're interested in the occult or alistair crowley or drug memoirs you might enjoy this book uh, alistair crowley's a strange guy he clearly uses this this book as a vehicle to deliver a lot of poetry he wrote because apparently mm, apparently when mm. you're in the throes of heroin addiction and withdrawal you just recite you, you begin to speak in verse and you recite like very dreary poetry about i uh, that might just be alistair crowley's normal state of mind but there's a ton, there's a lot of like, from the things i've heard of him that just might be him <laughs> he's clearly trying I'm sure to... the drugs don't help or or rather I'm sure they do they like wet his his abilities but I'm I think he just waxes poetic often well I think pro- probably that part of this is 
you, you can kind of tell maybe he's just enjoying writing these like seven page poems that someone uh-huh. rever- like recites and just for, uh-huh. for no reason um it's it's i think the drugs just take away his filter <laughs> yeah yeah but i'm reading that I, I i got this joe lansdale who i really like just came out with this collection they're not new stories but they're a collection of his crime stories that have all been compiled um and i've read quite a few of them but i just got the got it in the mail today i mean i've read read them when they're published in other you know publications but I got the collection today. That's so I'm excited about reading that. And I might read this book by Guy Smith next. Guy Smith is, I don't know if I've mentioned him. He is like the pulpiest, like horror pulp writer. He he writes books like Slime Beast, uh, Night of the Crabs, Revenge of the Crabs, Ooh. The Crab Sacrifice. Um, and he, he has this series called Sabbat. Which is a wait? Is the crab sacrifice one the one that the hilarious cover with the giant crab on the front of it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But he 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 wrote the uh, the series with this ex British special forces ex priest who is now like he's not even an occult detective. He's like an occult uh, Jack Reacher like an exorcist and an ex. He's an exorcist as well. But he it's more. It's like a like a like a holy wanderer. He's like a, a special an occult special forces person. <laughs> oh, an occult muscle. Yeah, and I I, I have one of his books. <laughs> an enforcer, an occult inf- Oh, a paladin. Oh, and also okay, and last one. I got these books by this horror author Jonathan Mayberry, and they just sounded cool. It's the Joe Ledger series, which is like. A kind of like dad litty like horror series, um, horror secret agent, paranormal secret agent investigation series he wrote. Um, so I'm going to give those a try. Uh, what about you? What are you reading? Continuing my uh, study upon Moby Dick. I'm like two thirds of the way through it. Uh, but uh, I can't just do that alone. Uh, so I've been jumping around uh, between quite a few things. All those little shorts that we discussed this episode. I've also been listening to Rosewater, which is a science fiction story by an author named Tade Thompson. It's really interesting. It's like, um, like I don't, I don't want to say Afrofuturism, but it's like a, a cyberpunk type story that takes place in like an African country. But it's instead of be, being the internet that connects everybody, there's like people with latent psychic ability that can connect to this like fungal network that is that, that the story's crazy. Basically, at some point, aliens crashed onto the planet, literally like a rock with an alien inside of it, and it made like a different ecosystem, almost like Area X type vibes. And the there's like a dome that was built over it. And a city was built like outside of this dome and these aliens have crashed multiple places and they've basically the entire world is infected with this harmless fungus and everyone is connected to it by like microscopic filaments that wherever they go, um, it is like taking information and stimulus from them. And there are certain people that are attuned to be able to be two-way streets. They can access information as well as have it taken from them. And you can learn how to basically like read minds or um, defend yourself against mind reading or like share a network between like a group of agents where you're all linked and you can all like experience the same like 
things so you can see from each other's like points of view and stuff and it's um it starts off being about a guy that works for banks basically like um uh making psychic noise so that people can't break into a bank by like psychically extracting numbers and information and basically you just sit in a room and read a book and the the book that you're reading makes noise in that like psychic network so that people can't extract specific information it's it's really interesting ideas and it's a really interesting way of like taking the genre of like cyberpunk and making it more organic rather than technology based it's really cool really well written a lot of different like culture mixed into it I'm enjoying it so far. That's cool. And so it's a, it's a it's a novel. It's a, it's a novel, and I guess it's a series too. Um, so here we go. Yeah, <laughs> have fun. But um, that, and then um, I haven't started Hondo yet. I need to. There's another thing I want to read before we talk about spies because I picked this book up from our our mutual Instagram friend Brian, and uh, it's a this James Bond book that's not by Ian Fleming. But the cover looks dope. That's very cool. Def- definitely has like a Sean Connery look to the the Bond on the cover, and uh, it sounded really interesting and kind of similar to some of the stuff that I was going on to to maybe do in my Bond story that I want to write. So um, it's for those that are listening and not seeing the book that I'm holding up to the camera. It's called James Bond Colonel Son by Robert Markham. And then it's in parentheses Kingsley Amos, so I guess he has like a, a writing name. Kingsley Amos is a fairly you know well known, um, reputable author, British author. Yeah, so that's that's who this is by. I think I saw Brian I've been wanting, him I, post that. I, I think maybe I've been I, wanting to read a Bond book by someone other than Ian Fleming just to see how they stack up. And when this one popped up, it was like an instant purchase. I have a Donald Westlake, I think it's Donald Westlake, it's a hard case crime book that he originally wrote as a as a Bond book. And Ooh. Um, I think it was him, maybe it was Robert Silverberg, I don't know, but it was originally written as a Bond book. Maybe it was. You have that? Yeah. And um, but can you send it to me? I if you're willing, I have to, to read it first. Ah, <laughs> uh, but apparently for for one reason or another, send me a picture of it, and I'll see if I can find a copy. Yeah, yeah. For one reason or another, it didn't get published, so the names are all changed. But it is a Bond book, like it is a Bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes place so in Hong the Kong. The subject matter's still there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That would be cool to discuss. I, read that so we can discuss it on the spy episode. I'm, I, I'm telling you, the longer we take to record this episode, the more things I'm gonna have to discuss. Well, it's gonna be a three parter, no matter what. So, we already know this. So I want to read. Um, so I'm going on. I'm taking a big trip, and I'm. I'm already thinking about what books am I going to bring with me? How many books do I need to bring? Do I want to bring like one, 12. one big one or like a couple of like, you know, easy to get through paperbacks, but I might just, uh, bring... the brothers Karamazov. No, well, I might just bring <laughs> that John le Carre novel. So it's this, it's another book in the smiley series. Um, Which one? So this one's called the honorable Schoolboy, uh, okay. and it takes place after Tinker Tailor soldier spy. So in, in, you know, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy at the end of it, um, Smiley has successfully outed this mole that mm-hmm. has embedded himself in the circus. And the next book, The Honorable Schoolboy, has to do with um, the fallout of that 
and also the attempt to, um, I guess, establish some sort of like intelligence network in Hong Kong. Um, and it involves a character who's a small character in, uh, in the, in the Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. He's just like, they interview him at one point, um, and that's it. But in this one, he's like the main character. I don't know. I, I, I like those books. I get this like sense of wanderlust. Like I want to go and move to London and like wear a Yeah, Macintosh. the one that I read, The Call for the Dead, was really like it transported me. Like I felt like I was in the pubs and things that they were discussing and like on the misty docks in the fog. Like, yeah. Okay. So yeah. the bond book I mentioned, it's, it is by Donald Westlake. It's called forever and a death. Um, that's a good title. Here's, here's, here's the description. Um, two decades ago, the producers of the James Bond movies hired legendary crime novelist, Donald E. Westlake to come up with a story for the next bond film. The plot Westlake dreamed up about a Western businessman seeking revenge after being kicked out of Hong Kong when the island was returned to Chinese rule had all the elements of a classic Bond adventure, but political concerns kept it from being made. Never, mm. never one to let a good story go to waste. Westlake wrote an original novel based on the premise instead, a novel he never published while he was alive, but hard case crime put it out. I definitely want to get that. It's got it's got the cool hard case crime cover. That'll art. be another cool thing to discuss in the episode. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, dude. I the, I so I love the uh, special service policeman in in that uh, that book that smiley book that mm-hmm. we both read, which I found two really cool copies of at a used bookstore. Like there were neat older copies of it, um, but I was gonna pick them up, but I'm like oh, I can't, dude. You got you got to like have some self-restraint <laughs> you already own one copy of this book you don't need two more <laughs> oh that's me with several books but mostly because people have bought me copies of things i also picked this up from from that instagram it's like a lone ranger book that's like the novelization of the movie i guess or something that looks cool it's got cool artwork um, yeah i figured it'd be a nice little pulp read brian berryman man that guy's got the good stuff yeah, I've got – lately, man, I've bought so many stuff from him lately. I've got, like, this really cool steampunk collection of, like, short stories, and I got that Bond book. Uh, I picked up um, a couple of horror books, including this, like, weird fantasy thing that Orson Scott Card wrote that's going to be absolute trash, and I can't wait to read it. Um, Actually, just before we came on here, I did some business with him. Um, like, right before – I was like, I was like, hold on. I'll send you payment. I just, I got, you know, give me, like, I'm about to start doing this thing. And I was like, all right, I'll just send it to you. And I bought these, uh, this pair of occult detective novels written by one of the co-creators of the Twin Peaks series. So, and, and they're about the main character is Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who is an occult detective in them. That sounds wild. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, Brian's got the good stuff. I picked up, I picked up some book a while ago that was like a collection of short stories that are all like detective horror like lovecrafty but detective it has that like stu- study and emerald story in it but there's like a couple others that are in that sim- same vein i finally read that by the way the neil gaiman story study and emerald yeah yeah uh, a very interesting twist i so i um i'm when i i met neil gaiman several years back and had you lucky bastard I had the opportunity to have like a very brief conversation with him and he uh 
it's funny like this was at an academic conference but he was doing a book signing and i had a name tag on <laughs> i had my name on it and you know he was signing a book for me and i just said you know i really love your work like i'm an aspiring writer i really love a study in uh is it a study in emerald is that the to study in emerald or is that the the original story is called a study in scarlet okay yeah yeah and yeah yeah and I was like, I really love, you know, a study in Emerald. I think it's just a really, you know, great short story. And he's like, he put his pen down and he looked at me and he said, Connor, thank you. And like, I didn't know why he knew my name. I was just like, I was blown away. I was like, you know, how the hell does he know my name? But I have a name tag on. And he, he told me, he said, you know, I, I was a young writer when I wrote that. And I, I finished it and I read it and I was, and I thought, I can do this. I can be a writer. Like I, this is, this is good. And he's like, and then, you know, the story got published and it kind of, it gave me the confidence that I could be a good and successful writer. And I'm like, uh, interesting. It was a nice little story to share with me, but yeah. And I, you know, as, as an aspiring, you know, author, as an, as a writer, but you know, to be, to be published more and to do, to do more work, you know, it is so, you get those little tastes of success and um, it kind of keeps you going. Uh, For everyone listening, um, keep reading, keep writing and uh, keep dadding. Yeah. (laughs) Keep dadlitting. (laughs) Have a good night, everybody. Adios. You can find us online on Instagram at dadlitpodcast and you can email us dadlitpodcast at gmail.com tell us what you're reading suggest us some dad literature or just complain about something we said if it's something good we'll read it on the podcast our theme music is by vitazin you can find him and his fine work at vitazin.card.co that's card with two r's and his music is on spotify go check him out Have a good one. And I can see you, which is... What I really want to look at for two hours. Get out of here. Just don't ask questions.